0: Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart.
1: The fight was never to go into the constitution. The fight is for land back. The fight is for treaty. The fight is for ending our families leaving prisons in body bags. And we never needed an advisory body to make this happen. What we need is love. Because the answers and the recommendations are out there. We just need a country that loves our existence enough to stop murdering us.
0: Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their Elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. This week on the program, we hear two speeches from the Invasion Day rally held in Naam, Melbourne on January 26. First, we hear from Gunditjmara Kirai Wurrung, Jap woman Sissy Austin. Then, we'll hear the first part of a speech by Goongari woman, Raylene Nixon, speaking about the death of her son, Stephen Lee Nixon-McKellar, in police custody in Toowoomba in October 2021. Listeners should be aware that today's show contains descriptions of colonial and police violence against Aboriginal people. If today's episode brings up difficult thoughts or emotions, you can call Lifeline on 131114 or or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander support line 13 Yarn on 139276. This is Sissy Austin speaking now.
1: Hello, my name is Sissy Eileen Austin. I'm a Gunditjmara, Kirai Warong Japarong woman. <laughs> I acknowledge deeply the caretakers of the land of which we gather today. The songlines, totems, elders, stories pass through the generations that belong right here on this country. It's both a miracle and a privilege to be standing here speaking today. The lead up to and the day of January 26 has forever been a gut-wrenching one. A day where a country celebrates a violent invasion and genocide. Over the years, thousands have begun turning up to protest against everything that is celebrated on January 26. Thousands attend and listen to my people, repeatedly share our pain, our injustice, our fight for survival. You all have a responsibility and an obligation to not let our stories and our calls to action go by the wayside. I acknowledge my late Uncle Archie Roach and his song, (laughs) and his song, Let Love Rule. A song with a message, I feel the obligation to not let go by the wayside a song that guides me in how I navigate this country, and a song that tells the story of how true and raw love is in black communities. I spoke on a panel last year, and an audience member asked us the question, but what can we do? But what can we do? a question often asked of us. I answered love. The words of Uncle Archie's song say, when darkness overcomes us and we cannot find our way, although we keep on searching for the light of day and we hear the children crying and we don't know what to do, Gotta hold on to each other and love will see us through. Let love rule. Let it guide us through the night that we may stay together and keep our spirits calm. Only truth will shine the morning light cause love's the only thing that will keep us Safe from harm. Rest in power, Uncle Archie. Where there is love for land, there is a drive to protect, to put your bodies on the front line. Where there is love for First Nations children, there, there is a motivation that you will do everything in your power to stop our children being removed from black communities. Where there is a love for the waterways and totems, with love comes a commitment to understanding deeper why our waterways and totems need protecting. And with that understanding, You realise why we need you to fight with every last breath for both our future in this country and yours. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't love something about the oldest continuing culture in the world, or that you didn't love the idea of a dream becoming a reality. A dream of a country free of injustice towards First Nations, clans and nations. A dream where black mothers can stop living in fear of their babies being taken away. A dream where black bodies stop exiting police custody in body bags. A dream where chainsaws are lifted off the breasts of japa birthing trees. Our dreams can be your dreams too. Dreams become a reality when we learn how to love. I said at the beginning that it was both a miracle and a privilege to be standing here today. In just two weeks, it will be one year Since I was violently attacked running on Waterong Country in the Laulau Forest. (laughs) To think that this time last year I would have been dying for January 26 to be over, and just two weeks following, I was reminded that the violence of January 26 isn't isolated to just this day. It is every single day in the colony. The love of my community, country, ancestors carried me through my continued healing journey. If my life had have been taken on that day, I would have died knowing I was loved by my community, my country, my people, despite the horrific daily injustices inflicted on us by the colony. And through the eyes of social media and attending the Sunday rallies, I see and I feel the love that exists in Palestinian communities. A love that, like ours, has the right to be protected. And a love that, like ours, has the right to continue growing. Instead of allowing a violent white male, who is representative of the colony, by the way, steal my love for running from me, I trained for the remainder of the year, and in November completed the New York City Marathon. (laughs) An achievement that is representative of the Gunditjmara bloodlines running through my veins. Representative of my community, my people. Contrary to how mainstream media portrays us. I have no idea in the world who the man was that attacked me that day. Most likely because of Victoria Police's failed investigation. Or maybe I am naive to think there was even an investigation at all. Do you know the very first thing the copper dog said to me the day after the attack? You seem incredibly calm, sissy, in light of what you are alleging. (laughs) Victoria Police being Victoria Police. They don't care about us. And no program, no artwork, no flag pin will convince me otherwise. But to that individual, all I hope for is that you find a place of decolonising your colonial body, mind and spirit. Because the violence that I experienced that day, the violence that I was victim to, always was and always will be white. Violence always was and always will be colonial. My training for the marathon coincided with a referendum we never asked for. A referendum to go into a racist, colonial constitution. I voted no without hesitation. But what I would preferably do is tear up every single page of the racist, colonial, illegal constitution and set it on fire. Set it on fire with every other policy that will never be fixed. Let's throw all reconciliation action plans in this fire too. Because reconciliation is dead. You cannot reconcile with a country that denies our existence. You cannot reconcile with a country that refuses to tell the truth. We are sick and tired of being dragged through tokenistic gestures. When I see the horrendous human beings signing their names on bombs being dropped on the beautiful people of Palestine. shame. I can't help but draw the parallel here in this country. Where we have cops with flag pins murdering our people. Where we have mining companies with our, our artwork displayed in their boardrooms destroying our country where we have child protection workers with an acknowledgement of country at the bottom of the email, they just sent to a black mother telling her that she won't be getting her children back. The only way forward is to set it on fire. The fight was never to go into the constitution. The fight is for land back. The fight is for treaty. The fight is for ending our families leaving prisons in body bags. And we never needed an advisory body to make this happen. What we need is love. Because the answers and the recommendations are out there. We just need a country that loves our existence enough to stop murdering us. We need a country that loves our land enough to stop destroying it. We need a country that loves our totems and animals enough to stop starving them of the environment they need to survive. And we just need a country that loves us enough to take the time to understand how beautiful we are. How beautiful our love for country is. How beautiful our loyalty to family and kin is. And how beautiful our commitment to fighting for justice is. I suffered a severe concussion following the attack. And from that I had momentarily lost my speech. I end by thanking the ancestors for slowly but surely gifting me back my speech. So that I can loudly and proudly continue speaking truth to justice and never allowing the messages of those before us go by the wayside. Thank you, and let love rule.
2: (laughs) Women
0: on the Line. On community radio around so-called Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. This week on the program, we're hearing some of the speeches from the Invasion Day rally held in Nam, Melbourne, on January 26. You just heard the voice of Sissy Austin speaking at the rally outside of Parliament House. Next, we'll hear the first part of a speech by Raylene Nixon speaking outside Flinders Street Station about the death of her son, Stephen Lee Nixon-McKellar, in police custody in Toowoomba in October
2: 2021. My heart is heavy. Tears still full. I feel my spirit ache from the injustice of it all. Police on the front foot, the truth they hide. There is no pride in genocide. no. A violent altercation is how they described self-defence as he tried to keep them at arm's length. His life they took, no remorse, no compassion, Sworn at while beaten with a baton. Choke the nut out, choke him out, they say. Before they know it, he's lifeless, handcuffed on the ground, four minutes before they realised he wasn't breathing or making a sound. Aboriginal law, our cultural duty, they denied. Institutional and structural racism like a badge of honour they wear it with pride. We wanted to sit with him where he to call our ancestors to guide his way. We don't want no trouble is all they say, wanting us to conform to their racist ways. An inquiry will be held, the current tells us it's not about blame. They'll make recommendations so it doesn't happen again. Sorry for your loss. Sorry for your pain. My name is Rayleigh Nixon, I belong to the Bungbri people of South West Queensland, my home is on the Maranoa River, where my ancestors walked that land for thousands of years. I've lived, worked, loved and continued to learn on Yorta Yorta Country for the past 25 years. Stevie Lee, who was killed at the hands of Queensland Police on the 7th of October, 2021. You see it on the TV and you don't think that it will happen to you and that it does and your whole life's changed forever. I'd like to acknowledge all the lands in which we live and pay our respects to our elders and all grieving families who have lost loved ones in this way. My heartfelt thanks to the Dajua Foundation and pay the rent and the incredible women who, despite going through this themselves, find the strength to support families. Please donate and support them. The support does get to the families who need it. We are the oldest living culture on earth. We have the most incredible legacy of leaders who showed immense courage. in order for us to still be here. That legacy now nowizes us to do the best we can with what we have to leave this world in a better place than what we've inherited. <laughs> the consequences of us doing nothing, not talking about it, not hearing it, not acknowledging it, is that we can't do anything about it. Speaking up about the realities our people face takes tremendous courage, but we have to show up. Because in the meantime, we continue to count the cost of denial, of ignorance, of injustice, of racism, of despair, and of grief, loss and trauma by the gravesides of our loved ones. We have spent most of our post-colonial lives surviving genocide, doing the best we can with the limited resources and power to demand Indigenous rights, reminding ourselves and future generations of our legacy by telling and retelling our histories trying to reclaim our languages driven almost to extinct. While looking to an uncertain future, we're assessing the damage of invasion, of colonisation, and of capitalism, not only on us as Indigenous peoples, but the environment that gives and sustains our lives. We have to dismantle the racist systems that see our people over police, over-incarcerated, and the ultimate death of Aboriginal people in Australian custody. If it's been socially constructed, it can be socially reconstructed. We want policy change. We want racism to change because the the reproduction of racist discourses and post-colonial relationships is a serious challenge. I stand here today because it's a life or death matter. Enduring patterns of racial inequalities have far-ranging consequences that we all know are evident in our policing systems. I want to talk to you about my son's coronial inquest. It was in September last year. We started with the belief and hope my son's brother Marley at the beginning of the week said. We maintain our belief in a system that can and must do better. We trust that the truth will emerge during the inquest. Steve's memory will serve as our inspiration, motivating us to fight for a more just and equitable society where no one is above the law, not even the police. Every life is valued. Together as a united force for justice, we will prevail. We stand strong in the face of adversity and we will ensure that Steve's death becomes a turning point in our unwavering pursuit of a fair and accountable system. We want no more and no less than anyone else in this country. We know the depths of our trauma bring to light the inequalities, there needs to be change. We cannot and will not accept state sanctioned violence leading to the death of our children. The number of injustices during the week of the inquest was inexplicable. Stephen Lee was never told he was under arrest upon watching the body-worn camera footage and the final moments of my son's life for the first time for our family the coroner has the audacity to say i understand watching the footage is difficult but commentary is unnecessary (laughs) for the love of whoever you believe to be our creator give the family one minute to comprehend the totality of what they've just witnessed, which is the most vile act of violence leading to death. There is no coming back. He was alive and now he is dead. It's injustice. It's injustice. It's injustice. The historical context of invasion, of colonisation, the establishment of the constitution and policing, and the way racial violence is a constitutive feature in all states and territories in this country. My son's death was not an aberrational tragic event, but one that was entirely at peace with the way police have traditionally policed Indigenous communities. Yes. Yes this responsibility against the backdrop of the Path to Treaty, with its stress on truth-telling and healing, is both to compound the grief we feel and to deprive us of any hope. But this process will deliver substantive recommendations to prevent further deaths in custody. Sometimes it just comes down to human compassion and doing what's morally right. The only thing that's going to come out of my son's inquest is new cases new state-of-the-art cases and retractable batons for the Queensland Police. You're welcome. The purpose of the inquiry didn't align with what it seemed to have been. It was centred on validating the thoughts, actions and conduct of the individuals involved. We attended the inquest due to a profound sense of injustice and regrettably, instead of receiving transparency and justice, we were met with additional anguish and sorrow. Instead of hearing about what changes will come to protect others, We heard about how the lateral vascular neck restraint, or chokehold, is a non-lethal tactic, even after its use killed my son. It's crucial to recognise that the thoughts of the police should not attribute to the lives of individuals. The police involved acted on the thought that the car might be stolen, but they didn't know. They thought they might be rammed, but they were. They thought the car might be locked, but they didn't check before drawing their batons and smashing the windows, thereby against their own protocols, escalating a situation to such that it was seen as high risk on their own accord. They then used that high risk situation to justify their lethal use of force. My son is not here purely on assumptions, based on what officers thought might happen, not what actually happened. <laughs> As a family we started that week with resistance. Throughout the week our story was not told and neither was the story of my son's last moments. He was terrified, acting in self-defense. Though his story has not been heard, I am not done talking. We are calling for the Prime Minister and Linda Burney to meet with the bereaved families. I want a complete ban of the use of choke-holes and neck restraints in the police force tactics. in Australia and all countries around the world. The police to review their century-old discriminatory policy that see Aboriginal people pursued and arrested at extraordinary rates and the discriminatory and inhumane treatment police and correctional authorities subject our people to. Read the police and prisons of racism. A review of the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody and a commitment to enforcing an implementation strategy. I want Queensland police to embed Aboriginal law and our cultural obligations into their Western law and policy procedure <laughs> manuals. It would be great if the officers could be held accountable and put an end to police investigating police. Don't be distracted from the level of injustice that has occurred in the circumstances that led to my son's death, in the death itself and in the events that happened after his death. The entire process reveals systemic institutional, and cultural flaws, subjecting grieving families to an interest with the apparent purpose of justifying the actions of their officers, rather than seeking answers. Our primary objective is to ensure that the profound injustice surrounding the circumstances leading to Stephen's death and the inquest does not go unnoticed. To date, there has been no satisfactory explanation for the excessive aggression displayed by those involved, nor justification for the choice to escalate rather than de-escalate. It's still our hope that change will come, and it is our promise to Stevie Lee that we will not stop fighting. However, we no longer maintain our belief in a system that can and must be better. We do not trust that the truth will emerge out of his inquest, in hindsight, the writing was on the wall. Upon arriving at the steps of the Toowoomba Courthouse, we were first told to remove our offensive t shirts Shame! That, what was offensive, we were told the writing, it says, stop black deaths in custody. Shame! I had to cut up my son's photo because I didn't have approval for the words in loving memory. Shame. I In that courtroom for four days, I listened to the atrocities that were committed against my sick son. I bear witness with a broken heart to his desperate cries. Help me! Help me! Help me! You got me! You got me! You got me! Did you hear him say you got me? Yes, and yet they still didn't stop. I heard the officers get on the ground while simultaneously holding up so he couldn't get down. Take the cap out, take him out. Oh no. His last words on this earth were oh no. Can you even imagine the fear? He was he knew he was about to die. We travelled 1,800 kilometres and sat there for four days, affording everyone else the opportunity to speak, to say what they believed had happened there. We couldn't, we weren't afforded 10 minutes at the end. We come in peace, the only justice the family gets is to be a part of the solution in the hope that our loss can prevent someone else's family from the heartache and despair that we experience. The coronial inquest is not for grieving families. Sorry. <laughs> already grieving families, as we bear witness to the gross injustice of the state protecting the state. The country's shameful history continues to haunt the hearts, minds and the souls of our people as the inherent trauma echoes the divide that continues. There is a challenge for us all to rethink, reimagine, dismantle and then reconstruct our society it's an absolute disgrace that this country glorifies and celebrates a day that symbolizes the beginning of two centuries of atrocities at the hand of the colony and act that begins with ourselves and our individual conscience and how we collective interest to make transformation the continuing existence of our people and our culture reminds us of the strength and resilience of subsequent generations to survive when we do acknowledgements at the beginning of gatherings, we acknowledge that despite their incredible struggles and hardships, they still manage to leave this world in a better place than what they inherited. That responsibility now falls on each of us. It's not enough for us to merely survive. Future generations have an inherent right to, to grow in a fair and just world that sustains and celebrates our cultural differences, rather than hell-bent on destroying them. Forever in our hearts, Stevie Lee, Ila Bukamiri, Yuri Yuri, way. The soul will not die. Peace be with you.
0: That was Raylene Nixon speaking about the death of her son Stephen Lee Nixon McKellar in police custody. Speaking at the Invasion Day rally held on January 26 in Nam Melbourne. Earlier in the program, we heard a speech at the rally by Sissy Austin. For more speeches from this year's rally in Nam and Invasion Day content, you can visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Invasion Day 2024. If today's episode has brought up difficult thoughts or emotions for you, please reach out for support. You can call Lifeline on 13 14 or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander support line 13 YARN on 139276. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender-diverse people. This program was produced in Nam, Melbourne, with the amazing support of 3CR staff, so a big thank you to them. Women on the Line is broadcast across so-called Australia on the community radio network, and we greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. If you'd like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.